Hey friends, listen up. I really want you to hear about these folks. For nearly 70 years, CDF Capital has been part of a movement helping churches and church leaders bring light to the world through their capital. While they're best known for church loans and investments, they're humbled to serve alongside servant leaders like you who want to see the good news of Jesus shared with those who need it most. Through this collaboration with churches, they develop spiritual capital through prayer and connecting, leadership capital through cohorts and coaching, and financial capital through investment and loans. When you partner with the Lord and with churches, they bring spiritual leadership and financial capital together. The results are incredibly transformational. Listen, it's much more than money. It's more than metrics. It's even more than you and me. It's about the ministry of Jesus. Our friends at CDF Capital, they're so much more than a lender. They're so much more than an investment. They really do help churches grow. Frankly, it's they're so amazing. They do so many good things. They're, it's not something that you would expect from a lender or from their investments. You should be leaning in and learning about CDF Capital. What I want you to do is to sign up to learn more about CDF Capital and how they can help your church grow. Receive a 50% discount on a monthly subscription to the CDF Capital Subscribe and Save Bundle at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Sign up today to get that 50% discount on the CDF Capital Subscribe and Save Bundle. That's at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in uh, today. I'm super excited for today's conversation and looking forward to it for quite a while. You know, every week we try to bring you a church leader who will both inspire and equip you. But today you've got two for the price of one, double your value for listening in. Uh, today we're talking about Hill Country Bible Church and super honored to have Dwayne McNally and Paul Schultz with us. Uh, they are uh, combined the executive pastors of ministry there. This is a fantastic church. If you have not been tracked with Hill Country, you should be. They're located in Austin. They're one of the most reproductive churches in the country. Uh, in 1992, they launched the Association of Hill Country Churches. Uh, they've developed a church planting training center in uh, 2004 and uh, launched a director in that. And they've planted, if I'm counting right, I think 26 churches. They also have been doing multi-site all around the Austin area. Uh, Dwayne, Paul, so glad that you're here. Thanks so much for taking time. Uh, Dwayne, why don't I start with you? Kind of fill out the picture. What did I miss there when I kind of tried, when you try to tell the story uh, of Hill Country? Well, Rich, thanks for that. And we're excited to be here. But the first thing is you talked about 26 church plants. We've actually seen our 40th church plant. And uh, I got we... old data. I got really old data that I found somewhere. <laughs> That's, that's awesome because, you know, the thing that we're excited about within that is the fact that it's not just the fact that our church has planted those mm. churches, our churches. And I think, uh, Paul, we have our great granddaughter church at this point in time Correct. as well wow. at this point in time. And so so that's a big one. And as you said, you know, we've got a dual strategy focusing on 
uh, both multi-site because our passion and our vision is to you know reach Austin and to saturate mm -hmm. Austin with the love of Christ. And so we know that we can't do that just from one location. So the only way we're going to do that is by creating additional locations as well as uh, mm -hmm. planting churches. Love it. Paul, why don't you talk to us about your your two roles? How do you guys divide and conquer your various areas? What does that look like? Uh, how how do you uh, structure your time between uh, your, two, your two, two seats on the bus? Yeah, thanks. Great question. So, you know, right now, Dwayne has our operations, uh, our multiplication ministries, and then also our family ministries. And then I have everything that's personal, spiritual growth related including worship experience, as well as multi-site. And over the years, Dwayne and I have worked together almost eight years now doing this. And so some of those things have traded back and forth <laughs> um, just for various reasons in, in various seasons, right? And so uh, that's kind of how we're splitting it up right now. And then we've also got a, a senior executive recently added to our team. Um, that's helping steer the whole thing and that we're working with real closely. That's very cool. Well, the thing for folks that are listening in, know uh, we've talked a lot about multi-site over the years, a huge fan of multi-site, huge fan of uh, multiplication. And, you know, I love right from the beginning, Dwayne, you, uh, you put your finger on something that is, and I know you know that this is not necessarily common, but the fact that you have a great granddaughter church, the fact that you've seen multiple generations of multiplication is uh, amazing, incredible. And so I would love to kind of dive in a little bit. Tell us a little bit of that story. What's driving that? Give us kind of the overview because you're pushing against uh, historic trends in all kinds of churches. So many of us aren't multiplying, let alone uh, adding churches that add churches. So talk to us about what's kind of driving that. Great, Rich. So really, I think the biggest thing that's driving that is our passion and our what we believe God's called us to, which is mm -hmm. to truly saturate Austin. And so mm -hmm. so the our whole church planting initiative started, Paul, what was it, 25 plus years ago as mm -hmm. a result of our elder board sitting and saying, we can't reach all of greater Austin from this one location. So we have mm -hmm. to do something different. We have to multiply and so that started a, a process and we planted our first church. We planted our next church. And in that process, really started wrestling with the fact of, to some degree, we, in our first church plants, we were sending out large groups of people. And so mm -hmm. they would just go and their focus would be on executing the church. Mm -hmm. But then later on, we started moving to more of a multiplication, truly a multiplication mindset where we sent out missional church plants. So a small group of people so that they would grow. And so, I mean, we've got church plants that are, you know, multiple church plants that are over a thousand, some that are in the couple hundreds. And so we're all over the place uh, from that standpoint. But the whole thing that we are focused on in the association that you talked about earlier, Rich, mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. focus of that is if you're not going to be a reproducing church, don't bother being a part of the association is basically <laughs> how Love that goes is because yes. our association is made up of, of our church plants who have a passion for and are committed to planting churches. Okay. Paul, can you help us pull apart, um, the mixed environment. How do you guys think about the difference between what is a campus or a multi-site location? And then what is a church? How, do, you know, how are you making that decision and what does that look like? How is, and I know it's probably fluid, but tell us, talk to us about what those, the kind of difference between those two would be. 
Sure, it's a it's a really good question. And uh, so what we do with anything that's a, a multi-site, mm-hmm. one of our locations of Hill Country Bible Church, Austin, mm-hmm. is typically the same. I mean, we're actually on the cusp of the kind of the suburban part of Austin, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. original location. So when we do multi-site, typically we're going to put that in areas that are more congruent with our kind of psychographics mm-hmm. as a church. Okay. And that makes sense. As Austin continues to grow in diversity in the whole city, and it is a growing city uh, right mm-hmm. now with a plant, we're going to go into other areas of the city where things are a little bit different. They look a little bit different and we may not be able to reach based on who we are, but we have mm-hmm. a church planner with a vision and a heart for for a certain uh, section of the city where they feel like they can be more effective. Mm-hmm. Very and, cool. okay, you so. know, it's, it's a, uh, right now we're actually, I think like a lot of churches, we're listening to a lot of unstuck podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think our next thing is to say what's a, we've, we've been really blessed, uh, you know, like Dwayne said, to get to these 40 churches, but we'd like to do more and we'd like to do more multi-site. So we're kind of going mm-hmm. back to the drawing board of what's our master plan here mm-hmm. uh, as the city continues to grow of, of where we get to put which location, where would we do a plant, where would we do a multi-site yeah, I love that. So one of the things that, you know, folks that have been thinking about and doing multi-site for years is, um, you know, I think we get, you get excited about multiplication. And th- one of the misnomers is that like multi-site churches only do multi-site, that they're not doing church planting. And there are actually a number and there's actually, there's statistical evidence that show that I think once you get your head around, oh, this is about multiplication. This is about seeing people who see people who see people, who reach people, who reach people, who reach people, um, you know, it ends up, you know, it ends up creating this kind of flywheel. But the thing that's unique about what you guys have done is you've sustained that over multiple generations of of churches, which is pretty amazing. Um, Dwayne, talk me through how do you think about um, pushing back? How do you how do you embed that multiplication reproduction mindset in the the churches that you're working with? How how are the the leaders that you're working with? What's that look like? How how are you tackling that? So you talked about as we are developing uh, the church planters. So one, I just want to celebrate the fact that we actually have five church planters in our association right now that are working towards a plant in the next couple Love of it. years. Love and it. so so I just want to celebrate that. But mm-hmm. as we talk about those five, though, recognize one of the key things that we're talking about is one, how do you plant a church, but how do you then create the DNA to plant mm-hmm. a church? Mm-hmm. And the other part within that, Rich, is what's it look like to actually be a disciple maker who makes disciples, who makes mm-hmm. disciples. And so mm-hmm. it's a, for us, multiplication starts at the individual level, mm-hmm. moves into small groups, but then becomes what we do from a church perspective. So the whole conversation is multiplication from the very beginning. And so if you're a disciple maker who's not reproducing disciples, you're not multiplying. And so... Mm-hmm how do we start from that standpoint and then move you into a church planter mm-hmm. who then is in infusing the DNA in the elder board of that new church plant mm-hmm. that the per, one of your purposes is to reach the people close, but then to send out the next set of church plants. And so yeah, it's from a very beginning conversation, Rich, that every aspect of the conversation is about multiplication. Okay, Paul, let's let's get practical on this. I love what Dwayne was saying there, even at the level of the small group. I know there's so many 
churches that are listening in, they're like, man, I'm having trouble getting my small groups to multiply, let alone thinking about campuses that multiply. Talk us through what you're doing at that level. How are you working with leaders to try to help them wrestle through, hey, you know, we're not just going to all sit together for the next 10 years and and hold hands. We're going to multiply, reach more people, see those people get plugged in, and they're going to go reach more people. Talk us through what that looks like at that level. Yeah, Rich, thanks. That's great. And we want to be super transparent because the short answer is it's all very, very hard. Yes, uh, and, <laughs> true. And well, it, you haven't figured it. So you don't have a magic bullet over there, Paul. No, you have, there's, in fact, you don't have a... <laughs> the magic bullet is the grind. I mean, you, you just yeah. got to keep grinding because the the vision cast to multiply is always there and so we're doing mm-hmm. it at at the group level but not mm-hmm. all of our groups are real receptive to that or do that all the mm-hmm. time but you know mm-hmm. we kind of move with the movers right and so the ones mm-hmm. that are um and and i think the parable of the seed comes in there a little bit you know some mm-hmm. we're not all the same some people are going to just produce this really amazing crop as leaders mm-hmm. and so Uh, I think on the other side, we haven't talked about this yet in the podcast, Mm -hmm. but we have a disciple making initiative that we started several years ago. That's a little bit different from our small groups and Mm. it's the same thing. Not everybody. So if you're, we try to disciple three to four people at a time, Mm. uh, usually only one of those will actually multiply long-term. Oh, interesting. Um, And so I guess what, you know, the more we try to find all the environments from micro to macro where we can cast vision for multiplication and then we move with the ones that do. Uh, But man, it's it's very hard work. And Mm -hmm. I think you just kind of if you can keep grinding at it over time, you can look back and say, wow, God's done some amazing things here. Um, And so, yeah, that I I don't know. Hopefully that's helpful to everybody. Just yeah, that's good. Do it right. Don't give up. Yeah, talk to me a little bit more, Paul, about the the, your distinction between the disciple making initiative and groups. Kind of pull that apart. Talk that through a little bit. What is that? What's that look? How do they differ? How do they complement? What's that? If I'm if I'm a leader, I'm engaged in that. What does that look like? Yeah, and our our groups. I mean, we, we've got a, a kind of a strategic vision for groups along the idea of connecting with people, growing with God, and then blessing uh, the people in your life, which blessing is is kind of our acronym for how we evangelize and do gospel saturation. And mm-hmm. so we try to keep those, I mean, the vision for those is missional. Again, mm-hmm. not every group's in the same place with all those things. From mm-hmm. that, we try to find people that are willing to be what, um, and again, Dwayne, I don't know if you want to go into this at some point, but we've got a whole disciple making initiative that's actually separate where we disciple along what are the identities of a disciple and how, how do we reinforce those. So we may identify people that want to take next steps of discipleship out of groups, mm. Um and I know this sounds a little bit confusing. So we do believe that people are growing in groups, but we have a more um, focused and intentional discipleship hmm. that we're doing also. Almost like a greenhouse. It's like, obviously you're, gr- you're growing, yeah. you can grow in the garden, but you can bring some of those plants into the greenhouse and kind of give it a bit more intentional, you know, focused. Do people self-identify or would I, as a leader kind of call that out? I would say, Hey, Dwayne, you know, I see you, you really seem to want to lean in more. Let's journey together. Is that that kind of thing? And in most, as in uh, most things, yes, Rich, you know, there's people who say, I want to be, I want to grow, help me grow. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's times where, you know, we call people out and say, hey, I see something God's working in you. We want to call you into a disciple, you know, to be a disciple. And and one of the core distinctions of what it means to be a disciple for us is that you have to actually be a disciple maker. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we see and, and I run into a lot when I'm inviting people into a discipling relationship, Rich, is their mm-hmm. first you know, they just view it as, okay, great. I can go, I can grow stronger. I can go mm-hmm. deeper mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, no, that's not really the point. So right. uh, if you're not committed to actually go multiply and be a disciple right. maker, this isn't the journey for you. Right. And it's the so, difference between discipleship and scholarship. You're not saying come and acquire more information. You're saying become a disciple, which by definition is an active, hey, we're going to engage someone else and you're going to pass it on to other people. So right, Dwayne, because we, we know Christ gave us the great commission, Rich, and right, it wasn't right. to go learn more. It was yes. to go make disciples. And so yes. that is the core piece. So you were going to ask something. Yeah. So uh relationships at scale, the thing my so as an outsider looking in. Uh, my, and I, and I don't know if this is true. I don't know your church well, but my impression is like, wow, these people really value relationship. They value connections. They value, uh, there's like the pastoral side of it, but you're doing it at scale. Like it's you're, you're, you've been able to multiply that across a lot of different, um, environments. You've done that in a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes I think there can be a false dichotomy of like, Big can't be relational. Expansive can't be relational. It's like we 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 misallocate like missional and like hey we're we're on a mission to like saturate Austin with people who are like those people are like super driven but they're not slowing down to actually connect with people. That's not my impression of you guys. You guys seem to balance that out well. Talk us through Dwayne around what how do you do relationship at scale? What's that look like? So it's really the fact of myself as a leader. I've mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, when I disciple someone, I've got a group of three mm-hmm. guys and mm-hmm. at the end of a time period, they're going to go produce a go relational with three guys and mm-hmm. we in the same thing. And so it's really built on, you know, the model that Christ had of how he mm-hmm. handled it is, you know, a small mm-hmm. group of people life on life and then move on. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is very much a, it is both a, there's times where, and I think one of the challenges that we've had, Rich, is there was a season, I, I believe, at Hill Country where we focused very much on scale and how do we do mm-hmm. things at scale. And we and we lost this personal connection. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're now trying to reverse back to that because mm-hmm. what, what made Hill Country Hill Country was that personal connection in that personal discipleship. And mm-hmm. now we have to go back to, okay, how do we make sure we build that in? And one of the things that's running against us, Rich, as you've already mentioned, is the culture. The culture mm-hmm. doesn't call for this personal one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And we're asking, we're asking more time from somebody's life in this conversation right. because right. it's like, oh, do I do, do I do this? Do I do this? Or do I do this with the church? Well, the question is, is what does God want you to do? And first and foremost, right. he wants you to be a disciple maker, which says, go do these, these things. And so it's really that those are some of the things, Rich, that I that I see that we're that we're both there's headwinds in this conversation, but it's also the strength of who Hill Country has been and who it is today and will be into the future. Hmm. You Paul, know, one of the things, oh, sorry, go ahead. and go Rich, ahead. I'll just yep. say. Part of it also goes back to, if you look at, we have a three-step philosophy of ministry, which is mm-hmm. who are you, where are you at spiritually, and how can I help you take your next step? And mm-hmm. all that fact. So that's a very personal 
Mm-hmm. Our philosophy of ministry is all based on personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, Paul, one of this, this is like maybe more a bit of a theoretical question. One of the things that's struck me is when you look to um, like highly, you know, what used to call it cell-based ministry, like I'm thinking, you know, kind of classic young geechos, 500,000 people in a massive network of small groups. Um, you know, there have been a number of those models, particularly in Korea, that have like actually worked. Like those things have, you know, they've been able to figure out how to replicate across tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. We have yet to see that really in the West, that kind of thing. Why do you think that is? What do you, what do you think? Is it, is it, we just like big shows. We like getting everybody in a room somewhere. Like, what is it? Why? Why? And again, it's a theoretical question. First of all, it's really, it's an, unf- uh, it's an un- unfair question, but yeah. you know, cause it's like, it's just, I'm asking you to criticize hey, Paul, the entire I'm really church. Glad in, Rich in, asked you I, that I, question. Think, I mean, again, I'm not a church historian or mm-hmm. necessarily someone who understands the culture. Mm-hmm there well Mm -hmm. enough to maybe answer i but i do think i mean you said something yeah i do think that we're programmed for the big the big Mm -hmm. worship kind of show experience Uh, not not that well yeah experience is a better Mm -hmm. word Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's good Uh, and i think that it's a really hard to break out from that you know um Mm -hmm. uh, and because at the end of the day you know, most of our, the, the basis of a lot of our churches are people who grew up in church and that's what they right. know and that's what they're comfortable right. with. Right. And so if you go and you, you try to start a house church movement, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my daughter's part of one in Houston, a church in Houston that kind of does both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's just really hard to build the kind of sustaining momentum right. that, that we want as church leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So sticking with you, Paul, like the, it's interesting in your portfolio, you have uh, in your kind of areas, you're you're overseeing both the worship experience and this kind of vibrant small group thing. When you have the, the hat on with the like, I want to build rooms that have great worship experiences that are compelling, engaging, creative. How are you trying to leverage that to try to push people into these very intimate discipleship relationships? Like those are, those are, those feel like different, um, could be different, very different kind of approaches to ministry. How do those two impact? How, how are you leading that, you know, as you lead with both of those, those pieces um, of the puzzle? Again, great question. I, <laughs> I think it's a little bit beyond me. I think it's a little bit more core to our philosophy of ministry. So because, so sure we do have, and and listen, we've got particularly at our original location where we have like a 2,500 seat auditorium, Mm -hmm. we do have people that are just coming and they're not taking next steps um, necessarily Mm -hmm. in the community and and groups and discipleship. However, we message it quite a bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. just about every Sunday, we message Mm -hmm. the opportunity for people to take next steps it's mm-hmm. culturally kind of, if you know someone in our church, chances are mm-hmm. uh, they're either in a group, in a discipleship group, or in a men's and women's study. And so it's somewhat normalized from messaging mm-hmm. and then from your peers in the church. Uh, but so that I, I would say that's kind of the how, because mm-hmm. it's just it's just there. It's so central to our DNA. Mm-hmm. Dwayne, when you think to the future, um, I, and again, this could be an unfair question because I think what I heard, I think what I heard Paul saying was if this is an active conversation. But when you think to the future, the mixture of kind of multi-site to 
to church plants and uh, wh- where do you think the, the future looks for you guys, particularly as you look, you know, is it both end it just continue, Hey, kind of as the opportunities present, you know, as the, as we identify pockets around the Austin area that seem more like where we're from, we'll do, keep doing multi-site there, other areas. And as leaders present themselves, is it just kind of organic from that point of view? So it's a both and rich. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that we we recognize that we're working towards right now is from a church planters perspective, how do we grow them mm-hmm. from within our body? You know, for mm-hmm. a long time, we were going out and mm-hmm. recruiting church planters to move to Austin and to be a part of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And the success or failure rate at times was based upon how well they knew Austin mm-hmm. and knew mm-hmm. the DNA. And, mm-hmm. but as, a, and so the five that I talked about earlier are all coming up out of our churches at this point in time. And right. so we want to accelerate that. So yeah, that's, that's part so of it. That mm-hmm. is part of the conversation, but it's really the conversation of is if you think about how fast Austin is growing right now, mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. that there's not enough churches and we couldn't mm-hmm. plant enough churches to be able to accomplish right. what's here, which is why the acceleration that we can achieve through multi-site is so critical. So it's truly a both-and conversation. I think as Paul referred to earlier, I think one of the questions that we're starting to wrestle with is, do we need to take a step back and take a look at the map of Austin and then start pinpointing mm-hmm. what goes where so that we mm-hmm. actually have the longer-term picture and vision that's associated with that? And then I can identify all the capital and all the other things that are going to be required to actually make their reality. And so that's one of our next steps that we're beginning to talk about, Rich, is because we've been, I would say we've been more opportunistic in the past. Mm-hmm. And, I, mm-hmm. and I, we believe that we need to become more strategic into the future. Right. Very cool. Paul, one of the things, um, and you know, Dwayne had mentioned it there around Hey, maybe all of these haven't worked out well. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's one or two that you know that just like, hey, this this didn't work great. Uh, talk to us about what you learned on that front. I know Warren Bird's most recent study on multiplication and the kind of new face of church planting re- continues to reinforce that um, core size of church plants and multi sites. Like their their initial launch size is a critical factor. In fact, actually, the 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 specific study on multiplication showed too small of a core was the leading factor for or um, campuses or church plants failing that they would say that's actually, we just didn't have enough people at the beginning, but what are, what are you seeing on that front on the area kind of in the campuses or plants that you've struggled with? What are some of those things that, you know, have stood out, stood out to you as like, mm, these are things we need to keep an eye on for the future. Yeah, I think, I think core size is important now, you know, interestingly, we haven't really mentioned COVID Mm-hmm. And you know we <laughs> so because uh, I feel let's, like let's let's bit, not bother with the details, Paul. Come on. Well, and, uh, so, like most churches, I feel like we had a pre-COVID reality and, and a post-COVID yes. reality. Yes. So, but pre-COVID, we had a Sunday that um, this is really crazy. In the fall of 2018, we started a new multi-site location and planted mm-hmm. two churches all on the same day. Wow. Wow. Or launch, launch the plant. Yes. They had obviously been working. Mm -hmm. And both of those, um, I'm really glad to say made it through COVID, but man, Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, it was, they were what a year and a half in the, uh, kind of in 
they were a year and a half in when, when COVID hit. Mm. And so that, mm. that was really hard. And those mm. two really gifted planners, by the way. Mm. Um, but, you know, they were healthy enough to make it. But I think four size is it. I also think maybe sometimes the overall commitment of the lead, the leader who goes to plan, mm. you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a really tough thing, as you know, mm-hmm. and most of the mm-hmm. listeners would know church planning is probably the toughest thing there is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some guys and, and their wives, you know, they just get into it and they realize this mm-hmm. is not, this is too hard, man. Right. Um, right. So I think, I think we've seen some of that, you know, just some of the, uh, but again, I think it kind of goes back to some of the comments about just being willing to grind and stick it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dwayne, I don't, I don't know if you would add anything in terms of just uh, like if we nailed down a core size, but I couldn't certainly couldn't disagree with that. Yeah, I think core size and especially I think we understand, especially when we're doing a multi-site core size really does matter because you have to have certain capacity and, and mm-hmm. just ability from a from a um, church plant standpoint we do have some pieces that we're looking for there as far as Mm -hmm. hey there's a core team that goes out but they don't launch until they've built a critical mass of Mm. uh of you know that they expect 150 people to show up on their first day and so Mm -hmm. we've got some of those pieces as well uh rich that we go into in that um Mm -hmm. But, but I think that's the thing that we do recognize is that core size matters. And I think there was actually what um, Warren's uh, recent uh, research showed a certain size that seemed to be mm-hmm. right for the multi-site uh, launches. And so we definitely see that as well. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, I think that's one of those things, you know, it's that's been persistent over the kind of 10, 15 years of the real study of multi-site, particularly that it's you know, we've, we've, you've got to pay real close attention to that opening size. Don't pause. The thing I've said in so many contexts with churches that I coach is like, you're better to, to wait six months and build a, a larger core than prematurely launch because, you know, it's, once you get started, it's, you know, the grind of the weekly thing is very difficult. So this has been well, a great and, conversation. And the energy mm-hmm. that shows up on that first day yes. Is yes. what is going to bring people back the next week. And yes. so all that matters. But then also all the support infrastructure that you have to have to make sure you have enough people doing children's students. Right. Yep. Set up teardown, all the uh all the other stuff all matters. Yeah, totally. And there, you know, as from a church growth point of view, the more volunteers you have, the more people who are talking about the church, like they're because they're they have more friends that are that are out there that they're connecting with. There and there's an exponential nature to that. The difference between 50 and 75 isn't just a bit more, it's a lot more because you have all of the loose connections out there. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's interesting. Well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, let's do kind of last rounds. Other things that you'd love us to, you know, you want us to think about as we're thinking about multiplication, multiplication, there's church leaders that are listening in that are, that are thinking, hmm, I, you know, what are some, maybe some first steps, some things I should be thinking about if I, I, I want my church to be, I want to be more involved in multiplication. Dwayne, what would you say as kind of final words? And then we'll throw it over to you, Paul. So, so the first thing I would say, Rich, if you want to be involved in multiplication, the first thing is to look at how you're multiplying yourself. And how are you doing discipleship? Are you actually creating disciple makers or are you just uh, creating scholars, as you called it, Rich? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's the first thing, because if you don't start there, Mm -hmm. you have nobody to send out to these other 
to right. your church plants or anything else. And so I think that's the first thing that we all, as all, all of us as individual fo followers of Christ, but also especially us as church leaders have to be, have to be wrestling with is mm -hmm. how am I multiplying myself? Yeah, and that. that's not just my following Christ, but how am I multiplying my leadership in that? Yeah, I love it. So you, I can't just tell people, hey, go become multipliers. You can't, you know, exactly. I'm just being silly, obviously. Well, well Paul, of course, the answer is you can, Rich. It's, it right. just won't happen because they'll multiply yes. what you just did. They'll go have those same <laughs> conversations with the next uh, the next set of people. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Paul? Last Last words? Yeah, I would just say to, to anyone listening for as it relates to multiplication that the time is now. Mm, and, you know, it, so true. If you're if you're a smaller church, the best time to start to infuse mm. that into your DNA is now. It's good to have a strategy of how you want to do it. It's good to train um, the people that you want to send out. But we also know God is with us, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the longer that you wait, whether it's church planting, multi-site, whatever, the more mm -hmm. that it's not normalized mm -hmm. in all the people of your church, which is your church. And so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love it. Well, I appreciate you guys being on today. Wayne, if people want to track or uh, sorry, Dwayne, if, if people want to track with the church, uh, where do we want to send them online? Where do we want to, uh, you know, send them to kind of track along with the story? So definitely you could uh, go to www.hcbc.com. So mm -hmm. join us there, find us on Facebook, but uh, mm -hmm. we'd love to have, be able to also reach out to Paul and I, uh, go to the webpage, Paul, find mm -hmm. Paul and I and reach out to us. We'd love to connect and, and help others get on the journey or learn from others on the journey as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we are forever learners. It's always fun mm -hmm. to get on here and talk about, you know, what's gone well, because yes. <laughs> the there's some stuff that's not gone well. <laughs> yeah. Lots. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for your time today, for generosity. Loved hearing a little bit more of the story. Appreciate you being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Rich. Thanks Rich. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.